It's the Haiku P podcast, where we meet up with some of our dearest haiku friends and get to meet some new ones along the way. Welcome, one and all. Each podcast is a very special event, but today, more so than usual, because today is our hundredth episode. Congratulations to all of us, because the Haiku P podcast is a community effort. Thank you for coming along and making the time fly. I'm Patricia, and this time I'm joined by Craig Kittner and Ben Garr, both of whom we've met before, and Matt Snyder, who's making his debut on the podcast. There are community judges for this month and have chosen their nominations. I wonder if you'll agree with them. I know you'll let me know. But before we go on, I have an update from the last episode. If you remember, I was beside myself with excitement because Richard Tice and his poem Our Car Never Nearer the Shimmer of Black Water on the Desert Road, which I'd nominated for the Touchstone Individual Poem Award. And honestly, I did nominate others too. But anyway, Richard had made the Touchstone Award longlist in the last podcast. Well, now he's also made the shortlist. You can imagine my excitement. Now, I'm preparing and recording this podcast before the final results are out, so it might seem a little bit weird if I say, good luck to our Richard. But I've got everything crossed, and I'm willing you on. As usual for this podcast, I'm going to be reading you some previously published haiku, and some which have been written especially for us on the topic of no ego. You might remember that Ben Gar came along to give us the workshop, and I was excited about having a podcast without the mention of I, we, you, us. And I'm rather pleased with the results. My thanks to James Young and to Robert Horobin, who were instrumental in choosing the poetry that's featured this month, whether here on the podcast or in the journal, of which more later. If you'd like to join the editing team, if only for a month, please let me know. We'd be delighted to have you on board. Speaking of James and Robert, they're back again editing this month's submissions, and they've been joined by Ted Sherman. The submission, of course, is on Euphony, the deadline 20th of April, midnight, Central European time. So really, you are fast running out of time. Haiku and Senryu with sound and rhythm. And we're looking forward to a few latecomers. Now let's start with some poetry that's been previously published. I'll read the poem first, as always, and the poet afterwards. Let's go. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Between Wildflowers, a comma, Jeff Hoagland. Sun breaking through, the entire village, silent. Lisa Collins. Both of those were from the Presence Journal, edition 69. Storm hour, the cliff's face carved a little deeper. Debbie Strange, third prize, 2020 Irish Haiku Society International Haiku Competition. Way, Debbie. Well done. 
Now for your original haiku and senryu, written especially for the podcast on the topic of no ego. We'll start with Craig Kittner's nomination. Welcome back to the podcast again, Craig. And congratulations on being shortlisted for the Haiku Foundation Touchstone Awards for individual poems with this poem from Bones, issue 21. Fall starts measuring time in butterflies, which I thought was absolutely gorgeous. But I had a question for you. Do you remember why you chose fall, or as I would say, autumn, rather than spring? Uh, Well, yes, I do. This was actually very much an observational haiku. Um, I had gone out to do a little hike in an area near here that's uh, very wetlands. And um, at least in our part of the world here, in the fall, butterflies really uh, start getting very active. Um, They're out, uh, I assume, you know, feeding and collecting up ready to um, overwinter before... um, uh, laying eggs or, or whatever. So um, I was walking and just noticing how many butterflies were around. And part of my brain was trying to worry about what, you know, how much time I'd been out there. But I realized that the only real measure of time that made any sense at that point was just how many butterflies I saw. Well, that makes sense. I only asked because I was sitting in my garden. It stopped snowing for a day or so. So I was able to sit in the garden <laughs> and uh, I was watching, watching what was going on. And a little yellow butterfly came past and I thought, oh, that's great. Spring is finally sprung, you know, because my garden fills with these butterflies. And then I was reading your, your poem again and thinking, oh, I wonder why autumn rather than spring. But anyway, could you tell us what your nomination for the judge's choice is and why? Absolutely. My nomination is Fallen Bramleys and the Dark Windows of the Pub. Fallen Bramleys and the Dark Windows of the Pub. That's by Mark Gilbert. And Mark's piece stood out for me for several reasons. The first being that it is a strong, it's really strong in the haiku spirit. You know, it has an effortless seasonality. It's evoked by words that are composing the poem itself. You know, autumn is not named, but the haiku is very autumnal. You can infer that the pub windows are dark, because perhaps of COVID lockdown. uh, And so I feel that the haiku is very timely. But the poem doesn't need it. It doesn't have to be tied to COVID for it to work because, you know, by not naming the pandemic directly, it it retains this universality and uh, kind of avoids becoming dated. Uh, The choice to use Bramley's instead of apples, I think strengthens the sense of place and, and lends it an air of nostalgia. And it also strikes me, though, that the Bramley's may or may not actually refer to apples. Uh, could be a metaphor. The fact that Mark has gone far beyond foregoing the use of I or we by simply not naming it, I feel like ego is completely absent in this poem. So much of the scene is, is utterly unchanged, whether or not anyone is actually there to see it. There could not be another live human being for miles around this scene and it would still be fallen apples on the ground and dark pubs, you know, windows in the pub. And that meaning still remains the same. And, you know, as I said, I feel the poem is autumnal and the thought of a dark pub in autumn, it just feels sad. Sad, I feel, is a very appropriate emotion right about now. Thank you, Craig. Now let's continue with more of your original work.
Leaf litter. Turkey tail fungus skirts the pine. Debbie Strange. A vase filled with autumn leaves. The shape of shadows. Angela Terry. Gathering dusk. An urgency in the sound of scurrying leaves. Vandana Parashar. Under the redwoods, a tall man diminished. Krista Pandy. Snow-laden trees. Midday sun creating a silhouette rain shower. Dean Levers. A night breeze bends the blossomed branch. Newlyweds. Robert Whitmer. Log pile, getting smaller by the day, longer and longer. James Young. In an empty nest, an acorn. Pippa Phillips. Carpenter's saw, but the trees are silent as they fall. Minal Sarosh. New moon through spring willows, drifting mist. David He. Next I'd like to bring you a selection of bird-inspired verses. Cormorants hopping along the shore. Dotted silence. Sonal Srinivasan. March the 1st. A dove spreads its wings. Zara Mugis. Dusting off mirrors. Hummingbird wings. Wendy C. Bilek. What might have been birds falling into deep blues of shadows. Sarah Mahina Caveo. Birdsong, the tug of winter. Roberta Beach Jacobson. Longest day. A copper opens its wings to the sun. Kristin Lindquist Stiff winds, a flock of sparrows beat against the sea. Bruce H. Feingold At the shrine, a sparrow drinks from Buddha's hands. Bill Fay Floating voices, geese ride a current to still water. Craig Kittner Indian summer, the silence buried in a sparrow's nest. Isabel Caves Winter dusk, in a scarecrow's straw heart, a fledgling awakes. Nisha Ravi Prasad Beach ball, partly inflated. Songbirds gone. Ignatius Fay. I always feel a bit like that when I've spent my last day on the beach. I love the beach. Stormy gusts, the heron still on its rock. Marion Clark. Swinging the bird feeder, the blue jay coming and going. Kathleen Tice. Now Kathleen, that could have been a good one for the submission period we're doing now. 
euphony. Can you feel the rhythm, the way that Kathleen has used the words? Swinging the bird feeder, the blue jay coming and going. There's a rocking motion in there, isn't there? Anyway, let's continue. Carrying the cold, the birds cry. Alex Fife. No race, the snow geese taking off at the same time. Mike Bluttenberger. Winter in Alaska. Rooster crows at noon. Pam Joy. Now, Pam, you raise an interesting point here, and I wonder if anyone knows the answer. I noticed the other day when I was wandering around that there was a cock crowing about 11 o'clock in the morning, which I thought was a bit late. Now, the weather was quite cold. It was quite a chilly bit. We were having snow and frost. And I wonder, do cockerels get up later when it's cold? Because I know I have one very close to where I stay in Spain, where the weather is generally quite warm and it could crow from very early in the morning. Anyway, if anyone has any ideas, let me know. Thank you very much. Five crows, one at a time, from bare oak to tall pine. Megan Hairlar. Raindrops, a coot dives headlong. Anna Maria Domberg, San Cristoforo. Sticks and weeds, the mute swans get ready for spring. Marilyn Ward Still distancing, Mother Wren watches across the garden. B.A. France Distant stars on fresh snow, a crow's shadow. Humaira Sholihat Sharpening the scars, cuckoo's call. Richard Sharma Woodpeckers counting out the last metres of winter. Art Friedine. Lucky Charm. The shimmering gift of a goldfinch. John Hawkhead. Crescent Moon. With each ripple, the curlew dips. David Eyre. Next, I'd like to welcome Matt Snyder to the podcast. Did I pronounce your name right, Matt? You absolutely did. You can just go with Matt if you want. I'm a little bit unique. <laughs> oh, I just I should probably explain to people that, or maybe people have noticed that if anyone has got a vaguely German name on the podcast, I tend to go all out German on it. And, and so when I hear or read your name, Matt, you're always Matt Schneider to me as far as <laughs> it's, I, I do it with other people too, so you don't. Don't need to worry that I'm picking you out personally, but I shall be neurotic now from, from now on about name your name and a couple of others too. I find surnames really fascinating and it's one of my pet topics and I could go on about them for ages. Matt, you're most welcome to the podcast and I hope that it won't be the only time that we hear from you. So tell me, what poem did you choose and why? Of course, glad to be here. I chose this poem, Stone Buddha in newly formed puddle, melting snow. Stone Buddha in newly formed puddle, melting snow. And that poem is by Anna Yin. 
I hope I said your name right, Hannah. I chose this poem, again, for many reasons. Melting snow is the first thing that catches my eye. It's in the last line. The image is crystal and, and wet. It suggests newness and the end of winter. And it's very closely linked to the second line, um, which confirms that the puddle is newly formed. And one thing I really enjoy is that these two lines are so closely linked, they're nearly the same thing, um, but they're not. There are separate states of matter and in a state of transition. Um, this to me stands out as, as an example of becoming a technique of association. Then we get to the stone statue, come back to it rather. Um, and it is a hard contrast to the changing water that is in the later lines. So where the water is clear and bright, the statue is heavy, it's opaque. The water is in motion, the statue does not move. The water is transitory and the stone perpetuous. And where the water is suggesting and participating in spring, the statue is seasonless and timeless. And despite these many contrasts, um, the statue and the water fit neatly together. The middle line in particular in newly formed puddle ties them together with what I think is a classic haiku ambiguity, uh, which is in the puddle, the stone statue or the snow, or is it both? And in fact, taken together, the statue and the transitioning water I think share a deeper significance. The snow is melting to become water, but one day the water will fall again as snow. And this cycle echoes the Buddhist cycle of birth and death from which the only escape is enlightenment. And indeed rising up from the water, we have the stone Buddha, the symbol of enlightenment. So for me, this poem worked a subtle magic and I returned to it many times. I chose it because I enjoyed its many layers, including the escape from the self alluded to by the cycle of the water, the abrupt upright statue. Every time I came back to it, I found something new. Thank you, Matt. You've you've made things very difficult for me if I have to use my executive powers on this one. But uh, thank you very much for that. Welcome. Before I continue with the poetry, I just wanted to say a couple of things. Most importantly, thank yous. Thank you to Mike. Richard, Matt, Lorraine, Rob, Natalia, Nira and Peter, who clicked the buy me a coffee button on the website and bought me some coffees in March. I truly appreciate your kindness, as it does help me to keep the podcast free to all comers. You can always leave a message with your donation. I love to read them and Richard left a great suggestion. Could I do a podcast on punctuation? Yes, I could, Richard. Thank you. But now a plea for help. Would any of you like to help me out with a 15 to 20 minute workshop on how to punctuate haiku and senryu? If you could, please email me and let me know. And some great news. The Spring Journal is out. It's been out about a week or so, but those of you who signed up for the mailings will have heard the news early. If you had a poem in the podcast, or accepted for the journal on the topics of Kigo from the January podcast, humour, exaggerated perspective, ogre, or you had a haibun, or essay published in the Spring Journal, just click on the link in the show notes to buy it. If you want to, of course. If you're not sure, just have a look at your acceptance email. It should tell you which journal your work will be in. And a quick reminder that I'm accepting Haibun and essays for the journal. So please email them to me 
or send me an email for some details. I think you'll find the ones in this journal are absolutely brilliant. Now, on with the poetry. And now, a little bit more, snow. Glasses left on the poetry book. It's snowing. David Wheeler Fox deep in snow. How cool it must be to sense the easterly wind. Wendy Ghent Barely spring. Forsythia blooms through the snow. Pat Geyer Before the news, the light in the middle of the lake. Deborah A. Bennett Fresh snow on lake ice, joint splashed down in rivulets. Birds of a feather. Richard Bailey A lipstick of snow left by the late winter's flurries rims the hayfield's dome. Ronald Toby Bees pulsating the temple bells. Snowdrops. Christina Chin A sunken stone, thorned sticks, broken reeds. Poem spelt in the snow. Jeff M. Pope Now do please go to the show notes. Obviously you can reread all the poems there, but Jeff's poem gives a little bit extra when it's read. Hip high in new snow, yesterday's snowman. Pat Davis Downpour, washing slates clean, New Year's Day. Lorraine Carey Each wave claims mounds of golden grains, high rollers. Hannah Hulbert Approaching storm, the sea pounds relentlessly against the levee. Richard Tice And now there's another one with, with sound and rhythm, isn't it? The sea pounds relentlessly. Can you hear it? Drifting down jewel-tread fishing trail. Twin sons whistling. Douglas J. Lanzo. Banks of the Fraser. A shadow sneaks a swim. Peter Fisher. Milky Way's image. Radiance on a calm lake. Mirrored Galaxy Chris Gomez Celestial Bodies and the Sky were popular inspirations this time round. Summer Sun, the horned lizard appears on the wildlife calendar. Christine Wenk Harrison First Chemo, the fading boundary of Day Moon Hifsa Ashraf Full moon, roof corner icicles glow, winter silver. David Bridges Cold moon, the warmth of yesterday, a distant dream. Margaret Dornhouse Sunrise, black mountain slowly turns to gold. Nearer Kashup Near I was in the mountains last week, and when I got up, 
the sun was glinting on the whiteness of some of the peaks. And they were really gold. Thanks for the memory. Only the night ends with a sunrise. Looming sunset. Natalia Kuznetsova. Ashen sky. Burning on the pyre, a nameless corpse. Suresh Babu. Opal sky. A birthstone charm for the new child. Valentina Ronaldi Adams. Angular shadows, moving softly in the moonlight. Black butterfly. Barbara Carlson. And now I have something special, because it was very much a triple effort. Let me read it to you, and then I'll tell you about it. Sirens through the fir trees. A howling moon. Now the original was by Editor Strienich. Hope I've said that right, Editor. And then it was translated into English by Jörgi Strienich. And then Ted Sherman, one of our editors this month, helped them with their translation into English. Thanks to all of you. A flower blooms in the midnight sun. Or is it the moon? Robert Quesada. Noir agave. Sensual shapes, sinister shadows. Tequila lipstick. Eavonka Ettinger. Wild rhubarb. Not knowing what to say in the chapel of rest. Tracy Davidson. Spring lawn, freshly dug mole tunnels, 17-year cicadas. Doris Lynch. Between rains, a cricket's chirps flood the darkness. Srinivas S. Spring whispers, gentle blow of fresh air, buzzing bees. Bahuana Apadai. Silent paws slip past redwood fence-top trails. Imagine. Wayne Kingston. Winter closes. The dense chorus of thawed wood frogs. E. L. Blizzard. Itinerant monk and an injured donkey on his back. Mark Farrar. City Zoo. Bold local rat steals food from the lion's cage. Rob McKinnon. Cats take over the pool table. Stripes and solids. Lorraine A. Padden. Sweet Pea. The cat climbs up the trellis. Paul Callas. In the meadow, a fawn stops to spot clean her coat. Julie Gomez. Locked gate. The meticulous web across roof tiles. Joshua Gage. Breaking hard. Caught in the headlights. The jackrabbit makes it. Lee Hudspeth. 
Juliet's balcony still empty. Pissing up the wrong tree, Cocker Spaniel. Dr. Tim Gardner. Gnarled apples. Forgotten orchard feeding deer. C.X. Turner. Sunlight through the tree, spider web of light weaving stillness. Steve Ullum. Stiff in their winter coats, the grass. Alison Douglas Turner. Bright green grass, children playing ball. An old man falls. Ellen Urowitz. White purple cups blossoming above fresh cut grass. Matt Snyder. Chilly start today. Sip a mug of hot coffee. Waiting on the sun. Veronica Hosking. Black and white movie. Two coffee cups on the checkered tablecloth. Nadia Kostadinova. Hot sake. Everyone speaking in tongues. Linda L. Ludwig. Butterflies around the plant pots. Shades of tea. Daniela Misso. Chipped mug. Steam from green tea blurs the falling snow. Stephen Joseph. Binday cacophony breaches the summer silence. Black coffee and toast. Ted Sherman. Bar restroom. The ghost graffiti show through the paint. David Oates. More than leaves and milk, the universe stirs within a simple teacup. James Welsh. Steeped mate tea. An afternoon bouquet. Of new mown hay. Michael Dudley. Bar restroom. The ghost graffiti show through the paint. David Oates. Bamboo flutes. The melancholy of mountain evenings. Anjali Wuhad Pandey. Storm in the mountains, a spider stretches his thread across the painting. Eugenius Zakarski. Bird bath, ice cold mud puddles. Laura Driscoll. Raindrops, collected beads from sunny days. Eva Drobner. Rain rhythms. Memories splashing on the window. Kim Russell. Clouds on the slope. Sheep. Dorothy Burrows. Lucifer in light drapes a dark cove emeralds on décolletage. Joan Huffman. Existing in parallel worlds, the good and evil. Carolyn Crossley. Candles, half a million flickering. Sayonara. Ashingliu, Kamai. 
The One Red Spine on the Shelf Macbeth Dorothy Mahoney Through a fence, scores of yellow gourds Tennis Practice Richard L. Matter Termites Dad's Bookshelf Gone with the Wind Lakshmi Ayer Reading Between the Lines A Cat's Tale Ronald K. Craig Words A Poem Sings A Life Susan Plumridge Summer Heat Colours Ripen Within the Tired Landscape Margaret Dale Bennett Bus Window View Van Gogh's Rooftops Below the Bridge Jackie Chow On the sidewalk, blue chalk hopscotch, a shade darker at night. Nina Singh Open blooms of the magnolia, a simple prayer. Eve Castle March morning, a softener awakens the smell of flowers. Samo Kreutz Spring dawn, a whiff of jasmine rises in the stillness. Bona M. Santos I thought it was fitting to ask Ben Gar to close out the podcast today with his nomination for the judge's choice. After all, it was him that introduced the topic way back in episode three of this series. Ben, you're most welcome back to the podcast. Which of the poems did you choose and why? It's great to be here. And thanks for having me back. My pleasure. In choosing my pick for the No Ego poem, I was looking for a few things. Does the poem invoke a person? Does the haiku use a structure in an interesting way? And lastly, does the poem take me somewhere that the poet never could have predicted? The following piece by Brett Wooldridge hits all three. December, the persimmons no one can reach. December, the persimmons no one can reach. So does the poem invoke a person? Yes. While it is true that all haiku are the result of a human calling attention to a moment, this one invokes a person who almost points you directly to the persimmons in the tree. And it's such a nice and gentle voice, one that doesn't call attention to the human pointing the way. They could be anyone. And because they could be anyone, that leaves me to construct who that is in the scene as it plays out before me. So bravo, Brett. Does this haiku use a structure in an interesting way? You bet. It's a telephoto type of poem that opens wide and then focuses in on something small and specific. The first line is simply December. And I love one word lines in haiku. December is rife with possibilities and meaning. Line two gets more specific, the persimmons. So out of the wide expanse of meaning of the month of December, I now focus on persimmons. They still don't have context yet, but I know what persimmons look like. And it's delight to come from something cold, almost black and white with December and move towards a sweet and ripe fruit. Such a nice contrast. 
Line three brings the connective tissue to lines one and two with the sharp focus. These are the Brazimans no one can reach. Does the poem take me somewhere specific in my own life? You bet. While not specifically December, I'm taken to Lyon, France, where a work colleague did some acrobatic climbing to reach the last ripe persimmons high up in a tree. And they were delicious. And I loved reliving that moment from this haiku. Thanks, Ben. I'm so glad that you picked out that technique to talk about because it's something that we're going to be talking about on the podcast next time. <laughs> so thank you very much for that. Well, we've had our three nominations and I'm going to turn off the recording now and the three of, or the four of us the th will make a decision. As I said, I hope I don't have to use my executive choice on this one, <laughs> but we, we shall see. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. I really enjoyed the commentaries from our judges. I think hearing another perspective of a piece often gives it a freshness, don't you? What did you think of their nominations? Would you have chosen differently? Let me know. And just a few reminders before I head off into the wild blue yonder. Your deadline for euphony is the 20th of April, so if you're listening to this in real time, that's tomorrow. And if you haven't submitted yet, you need to get your skates on. If you'd like to get involved as a community judge or an editor, both of which are a great way to hone your own haiku skills, by the way, please email me for details. And don't forget to check out the Poetry P YouTube channel for writing prompts and haiku moments, as well as an ever-increasing body of educational material. Leave us a little message. It's always lovely to hear from you. And if you have time, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to the podcast like iTunes, for example. Last but not least, thank you to our lovely judges, Craig, Matt and Ben, and to our terrific editors who read all the submissions for this podcast, Robert and James. I'll see you in a couple of weeks for more haiku treats. Until then, keep writing. And if there's anything I've left out or messed up, just email me and I'll put it right. Ciao!